Welcome to the 15th episode of Jewish. My name is Seth Everett. He is Dave Weisberg. Hello. Uh, we are here. Uh, the Israeli-Hamas war is in full effect, and we are going to react to that. But primarily, this episode is going to be focusing on the gobs of anti-Semitic uh, action that's taking place in this country uh, that we both reside. I wanted to start off the conversation with a question, and it's something that you and I have talked about off air years ago. When you became a rabbi, you became an expert, in my view, on Judaism. A rabbi is an expert on Judaism. When did a rabbi become an expert on global politics? <laughs> Thank you for bringing that up, because we do have plenty of folks who believe that they have expertise in global politics. When we were having the whole debate about the Iran deal a number of years back, a lot of people came out with very strong opinions. I know enough to know that I have no idea what the hell we should be thinking when it comes to diplomacy with Iran. I do know enough to know it's incredibly messy. And like with Israel, if there was an easy solution, we would have gone there. Correct. We are not experts in that. Okay. I would also venture to say, Seth, that we are not experts in Judaism. We are simply learned in Judaism. Fine. Right? Um, to be a rabbi is to be a teacher. And part of that means applying what we know to modern life. All right. So I mean, ideally, semantics, if but, right. but if, no, if but I it's covered, not semantics, I covered baseball for 27 years. Am yeah. I an expert in baseball? Kind of. No, but if we're talking about diplomacy, right, we can speak about it from a Jewish perspective. Okay. Where there is overlap is when it comes to Israel, because part of Jewish identity is the state of Israel. So in a lot of at least progressive Judaism, rabbinic education, we do a ton of learning when it comes to both um, Western history, when it comes to the Jewish people, and also to the history of the development of the modern state of Israel. Okay. So based on that argument, do you have to be pro-Israel to be pro-Judaism? Can you be a Jewish person who believes in the faith, who believes in the teachings of the Torah, but not a supporter of the country known as Israel? Because I don't like their government. I don't like their practice. I'm not saying that's me. I'm saying, can a person be pro-Judaism, but be anti-Israel? I have to ask first, when there's a difference between not being pro-Israel and being anti-Israel, right? Okay. And there's a difference between being anti-Israel and highly critical of Israel. Mm -hmm. We have Jews who are on the fringes who believe that Israel should not exist. If you believe that Israel should not exist, sure, you can be Jewish. There are... Uh, some ultra-Orthodox who, for them, the reason why Israel should not exist is because they're supposed to wait for God to hand Israel to them on a silver platter. However, being Jewish, part of what we do believe is that Israel is our holy land. Israel was promised to our people. It is the land of our ancestors. 
So to, unless you are part of that argument that says that we should be waiting for God to give it to us, which is a very particular theology that very few of the Jews who are in those anti-Israel protests actually espouse, then I, I don't think there's really a theological basis for thinking that the modern state of Israel should not exist. Also, if you're going to argue that a state that was formed in 1948 based around global politics should not exist, then really you should be applying that theory to every modern nation and believe that there are no borders. Otherwise, you really don't have a leg to stand on. And then that strikes me as incredibly anti-Semitic. On the other hand, if you oppose policies, if you oppose Israeli government practices, or military tactics correct then you have you have much in common with israelis right right in the same way that plenty of americans will take issue with american policy but there's a vast difference between being critical of a particular country and saying that country shouldn't exist and uh, well it, I'll, I'll draw a parallel before yeah. we get into the uh, israeli hamas war Let's draw a parallel. After 9-11, uh, Americans wanted their pound of flesh. Correct. They wanted to get those guys. And President Bush, at the time, launched a offensive in Iraq because he believed that Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction and we sent soldiers to war. And it was revenge. It was not, no, no, not revenge. It's avenging the tragedy of 9-11. And it turns out we looked like egg on our face because he had no weapons of mass destruction. And I remember the conflict with France. When France said, you're going about this wrong. Mm -hmm. And you are killing innocents in your quest because your mission is not being accomplished. Now, take that logic and apply it to this. While it's not apples to apples, the reality of it is, is, and you can blame Hamas for this, is Israel accomplishing the goal, which was to obliterate Hamas? When I would say Hamas is alive and well, and the number of Palestinian deaths, innocent Palestinian deaths, is now going double what the original Hamas attack was. And it looks bad. And what it looks bad is because not only are anti-Semites using those facts, there are people who aren't Jewish who are seeing those facts too. We are fighting such an uphill battle. It is getting uglier and uglier and uglier and uglier. And all I'm saying to anyone is, is the mission working? The mission will not work yet because, unfortunately, this is a circumstance where Israelis are not safe as long as any as long as anyone with a Hamas ideology is alive and capable of any activity whatsoever. That is what Hamas has demonstrated in this. I would say that. It is not entirely a fair comparison with what happened with 9-11 because, A, Bush was wrong. 
mm-hmm. we know that Hamas, as part of their raison d'etre, is commanding genocide not against just Israelis, but against Jews, against you and me, against our children. Right. So this is much more of a serious matter. Second, this would be a different reality if Iraq were in the location of Texas mm-hmm. or no, I'm sorry, the even better. If Iraq were in the location of New Jersey with 9-11, then let's have an accurate portrayal or at least a closer portrayal. Is this going to work? Putting aside that yes, I do very much care about the well-being of the innocent Palestinians. Let's use this as an analogy. There are people who have literally told you that they have amassed plenty of weaponry and they live in your neighbor's basement. And the only way to get to that basement is to go through your neighbor who they are using as human shields. These people have already done damage to your house and shown that they are coming after you. And your neighbors, while not the ones threatening you, have grown up in the ideology and they too wouldn't mind if you were to be killed, right? Do you say, I'm not going to go to my neighbor because they're in the way, even though literally my children might get killed anytime now if I let them lie? Or do you deal with the fallout because you have an obligation to protect your children? Sometimes no choice is a good one. What about the idea that you are being asked by leaders across the world to pause and get necessary humanitarian aid into Gaza? Let's talk about that. There has been proof, according to, again, according to government releases that aid is reaching Palestinians, not at the rate that we would like, but it is reaching. There is also proof that of that aid, Hamas is siphoning off fuel for themselves and resources for themselves. So we have evidence that the humanitarian aid is also helping those who are seeking to kill us right? So it's not just going to the innocents. And this is the problem we've been saying from the beginning, which is no matter what we send into those territories, Hamas appropriates it. Also, in addition to that aid, it was in the New York Times this past weekend, and the New York Times really doesn't seem to post anything that one could argue is pro-Israel unless they have seriously verified it, Right. that not just Israeli authorities and Western authorities, but Arab authorities have said Hamas has food, water, and fuel to support all of their fighters, which are thirty to 40,000 people, for three to four months. Imagine if they took that fuel and instead used that fuel for the hospitals and for the desalinization plants that would then give their population water. Hamas has the capacity to stop attacking Israel and actually support its population. So why is it on Israel, which is trying to defend their own people, to give the humanitarian support to a state that could have it from its own leadership? Its own leadership, who, again, is seeking genocide, not just of Israelis, but literally you and me. What about 
the idea that the primary goal of Israel is to recreate that Iron Dome, make sure that this that 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 Hamas can't penetrate Israel. Correct. Right. Which was right. That's a reasonable which was the fallacy that happened on October seventh. Yeah. The problem is we've realized. I think Israel learned the hard way that they can't just leave Hamas as a contained problem because clearly the containment strategy did not work, right? They found tunnels literally going under the water to be able to come up via the beach, right? There is no way that Israel can be safe with Hamas existing in any manner in Gaza. And it's not like Hamas is alone in this. They have North Korea supporting them. They have Russia supporting them, right? They have uh, Iran supporting them. They've got Hezbollah in the north. This is not a small entity. This is a massive entity. And why is it on Israel to fix this, right? Israel is fixing this because no one else is lending a hand, right? Where are the Arab states and saying, uh, there was someone, I, it might have been Rabbi Shai Held, but I may be messing this up, who is saying what we really need is Arab forces to come in and do a Hamas version of a denazification of Gaza, because remember, this entire generation of young Gazans, they may not be, in fact, they are not terrorists. I, I, I'm fully willing to say that they are not terrorists. However, they have been indoctrinated in Hamas ways, re learning from their textbooks, which is going to require a whole lot of re-education just to have them willing to live with Israel as neighbors. So we've just said a lot. Yes. And it's clearly not simple. However, since the Israeli air attacks, and now as of the recording of this podcast, a ground attack, the anti-Israel sentiment has quadrupled to the point of people who have no connection to Palestine have spoken out against Israel. The global community thinks Israel is overstepping. And America has come out and said, slow down, humanitarian first. So again, I'm not one of these believers that says, well, anything America says has to be right, because that's not true. Just like the Israeli they don't necessarily believe that everything Israel's doing is right. And anti-Semitism existed way before any of this. But what you've done is you've taken a burning candle and you set it ablaze. But let's be clear. Hamas took the burning candle and set it ablaze, right? Israel's actions right now are fanning those flames. However... Anything short of Israel not acting would fan those flames. This is a damned if you do and a damned if you don't kind of situation. I have spoken with colleagues, and we recognize that in order for Israel to be safe in this situation, they will have to do things that will make them an international pariah because no one else has any skin in the game. No one else actually has their people and lives on the line here. This is not a situation where giving Hamas any space will result in security and safety for Israelis. And I say this as a proud lefty. 
remember, I tell people I'm Canadian where my conservatives are more liberal than many Democrats, right? I know. So as a lefty, I turn to these moments that I've heard from Israeli friends who are lefties over there who have pointed out way before this happened that every time there is a Palestinian terror attack, it pulls a little bit more of the rug out from under the lefties because it shows them that their peace efforts are futile, right? What happened with the 2005 pullout from Gaza where Israelis left them all the infrastructure in the world to, and I'm borrowing this, uh, effectively turn Gaza potentially into a successful city-state like Singapore, right? And instead, we have what we have here. How many times have the Palestinians ever made a credible offer of peace to the Israelis, or at least laid out the groundwork of something that could reasonably get them to peace? Because the Israelis over time have made plenty of credible offers, always turned down. It's not just Israelis alone who have brought in the most right-wing government that has ever been seen. It's the reality on the ground that have pushed people towards this ultra right wing because nothing else has actually given them security. And again, why did Israelis end up there in the first place? Because again, we have nowhere to go. And this rise of anti-Semitism all, all over the world that was ready to go, it existed prior to this. The fact that these, the, the flames are being fanned showed us that the foundation was lying there everywhere, just waiting for that spark. Is proof in the pudding that we're right when we say we need that safe haven for us. We're not operating in an ideal world where there is right and wrong, unfortunately. We tried that. We tried that over and over and over again. But let's bring back the analogy of 9-11. You, you went in to capture bin Laden. That was the goal. One of the big questions that was asked is who's going to govern? That was the creation of ISIS. In this circumstance, and I've seen this by a number of shows that I've watched, people have said, let's, for the sake of the argument, assume Israel levels Gaza and destroys Hamas. Mission accomplished. What happens then? That is a and fantastic no has, question. And no one has a plan. No. Again, you there is no argue, good solution well, That's not Israel's here. responsibility. Well, it kind of is because you're the ones doing it. Well... You're doing the obliterating. What happens to that land? What ha it, Israel says they're not trying to govern Gaza. That's that's been clear. Yep. What happens then? Right. And it's just lawlessness. And that to me is more scary in the aftermath because that's what we saw. We saw the creation of ISIS. But let's be clear. Hamas is at the level of degradation of ISIS. That's right. Is it? it it's is it not, a snake that if not, you cut up the head, it, it grows right. another head or right. whatever right. happens? Yeah, it's not, don't do it because you might get ISIS next to you. It's, we don't know how to stop ISIS forever. However, we do know that we've got an entire state where ISIS has set up their base of operations entirely under the surface of that entire state. And while they exist there, there is a current threat. So while, yes, we do need to think about the long term, there is a very real short term that they don't really have time to think about the long term while they deal with the short term. They don't have that luxury. It'd be great if they did.
And while plenty of people will argue, well, they had the luxury to think about the long term, plenty, and they didn't take their opportunities. Again, highly critical of this government for not being too state, for not pushing peace. Let's be clear. There have been many attempts throughout Israel's existence of that peaceful opportunity. And what we got was ISIS in our corner. And this ISIS group was formed as soon as Israel pulled out. It wasn't due to the conditions that Gaza was left in. This was the intent all along. By the way, to all of these people that are rising up in anti-Israel, anti-Jewish uh, uh, anti protests, do any of them actually consider what their reality would be if they were to go into that territory, right? They'd be going into an ultra-fundamentalist authoritarian regime where it would only be the, the, the Muslim men who might actually be able to live a life of any dignity in there. Are you surprised that the sentimentality of the global community when the original attack happened dissipated you, so quickly? We are now at the point where many in the global community are actually uh, are, are suggesting, at least in the college community, that these attacks didn't even happen. Honestly, at this point, the global community, those who are saying this needs to stop, many of them have lost all credibility, which means at this point, they're just anti-Semites who they're either anti-Semites by nature or they just really do not care whatsoever about our fate or well-being. Because if they had modicum of care, they could at least show, you know what, let's investigate the circumstances of all innocence here and what everyone is suffering, and let's look at the risks involved. And instead of calling for a ceasefire where we know Hamas will do whatever they can to rearm themselves, let's think about the kind of ceasefire where we could actually ensure that that doesn't happen and Israelis get the security that they need uh, for their children. Until that happens, it just this other side has no credibility. What is your stance on these colleges that are endorsing these protests that are not standing in the way of them. They're not progressing them. There, there have been so many. And, you know, my niece is looking at schools. Yeah. My daughter's probably a year and a half away from that. Honestly, I would stay away from those colleges. Stay away from showing, Cornell. Right. They are stay away yeah. from Cornell. Look, it's my own alma mater where they are being sued in a class action lawsuit for $15 million for permitting anti-Israel, anti-Semitic activity from their student government for decades, right? I loved my college experience, and it was awful on that front. And it, with everything that we know now, if the colleges are not stepping in the way of these anti-Semitic protests... Forget the reputation. I seriously question their judgment. And I wouldn't feel safe with my children there, nor can I be confident that they're getting a proper education because, again, they're supposed to learn critical thinking. They're supposed to learn reasonable values to bring to academic thinking. And they're not getting it there. So Cornell may have name recognition. Harvard may have name recognition. But right now, their judgment is telling me otherwise. Not I'm not disagreeing with anything you're saying. Yeah, it's an impossible situation. So it's a really impossible situation when the the criteria for selecting a university is now based on not 
curriculum or a location or social scene or, you know, size of campus, but you were saying, are they anti-Semitic or not? Well, let's change that criteria, which makes it even harder, but a little easier from the decision standpoint. Will my Jewish child be safe and protected reasonably in this university? Yeah, but last week on the show, we talked about Uber and changing the name on your Uber account. Yeah. So what's to say that even a school that hasn't had these whole scale uh, uh, protests, what makes them safe either? Right. My kid went to a party in the in New York City. We were scared shitless. Yeah. Just because there are wackos out there. We want to put these kids in bubble wrap. What what are we doing here? Yeah, exactly. Could somebody uh, could the the, the 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 chancellor of Cornell come out and denounce this? Let's just say hypothetically, if that happened, would all be forgiven and say this is just a few bad apples? I think they'd have to make some efforts as well. You want to make it more uh, localized, West Orange High School. Yeah. West Orange High School was organizing a pro-Palestine. I don't don't want to say anti-Jewish because it didn't seem in the rhetoric that I saw. It didn't seem anti-Jewish. But I'll defer to you on that one. In West Orange, New Jersey. That's a stone's throw from both of them. Mm -hmm. The management of the school of the high school got them to postpone because they didn't have a proper response again your student your your child goes to that school it's high school we didn't select it your kids go to private school mine don't my kids go to the school that that they live in here right they go to public school i went to public school okay would you take your kids out of the school if you're a jewish kid that's a, a, a sophomore at west orange high school and you have a Jewish family, are you taking your kid out of school? It's a really great question, and it's something that a lot of folks are struggling with. What I would say to make sure that we give the proper attention to West Orange High School, it was not the administration, it was a student club that put this out there. And we did a lot of work on the Jewish end of things, but the administration actually stepped in. And they stepped in saying, this is not okay, These students, should they walk out, will face the consequences of that walkout. It is not sanctioned. And they made sure that the students rework this to not push a genocidal uh, approach. It's not great. But I want to be clear that the administration actually came through for us on this one. They did what I hope the universities would do. Because you can't quash the student sentiment. But you can make sure that what happens within the boundaries of the school are according to your values and safe. That's complicated. Yeah. Look, I don't have the money to send my kid to private school. I'm not sending my kid to private school. My kid goes to the school that and I'm not moving. Yes. When we started this podcast, it was a weed that was growing and spreading. And that's kind of why we felt compelled to start it. And we didn't had no thought that I don't know how to fan flames. I don't know what to say to some of the stuff that I see. Grand Central Station Times Square, that's that that that's that's a massive, massive amount of people. It is a very serious issue. And I wish I had a good answer to the things that you're saying. We have to do the best we can, which means if we're going to send our children into those environments, which we are, 
in some ways, it's like sending them back to school when anti-Semitism was accepted and part of things like back in the 50s, right? Which means we have to arm them with information. We have to arm them with self-confidence. We have to make sure that they know to not get themselves into situations that would not be good for them to get into. And sadly, I start wondering, do we need to train our children in self-defense as well? I don't like this thinking at all, but I wonder. Yeah, well, at least we're brave enough to have the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I didn't come into this show thinking I was going to get answers that would satisfy me. I'm very uncomfortable with everything that's happening across the globe. I've become more critical of Israel in the last week than I was on October 7th. Doesn't mean I don't support it well, not not supporting it uh but i you know there's a lot of crap i hate about the country i live in yeah and separating the country from the quote unquote holy land is i think necessary because i think more people should look at it as a sovereign government and not as the chosen one when I was a kid, I used to think, because Israel was always in conflicts like this, I remember after I saw the movie A Woman Called Golda when I had the chicken pox. I remember seeing that movie and I said, why does Israel have to be there? That's the worst place for it. We'll see you next week. I really hope we can have some more positive conversation when we do.